Today on Power Forward, we're joined by David Dunlap, Vice President of Product Development with top U.S. solar distributor Baywa Ari to recap the lingering issues of 2022, like the WRO and the UFLPA, and then preview what lies ahead in 2023, both in terms of policy and product trends. Hey, David, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Chris, great to be here. You know, I don't need to tell you this. This has been quite a year in solar. I guess they all are, but this one seems, I don't know, especially uh, crazy, right? You know, supply chain challenges, new policy. Can you share with us the top things that have impacted residential and commercial solar installers in 2022 from what you've heard and seen? I'll start with the challenges, the headwinds, if you will. Um, and I was kind of surprised as I was thinking through this and and kind of listing them out. but. Um, in no particular order, we've got the WRO hangover, which became the UFLPA. We've got continued COVID impacts and port shutdowns, the threat of retroactive tariffs, the, the ADCVD um, case with uh, the Oxen petition, um, global supply shortages on polysilicon, semiconductors, um, other materials and components, labor constraints, um, threats of rail strikes, actual trucker and port strikes, severe weather events and catastrophes, uh, inflation, rising interest rates. And now uh, we've got a December 15th decision around the California NEM 3.0, which is expected to pass. Uh, a lot of challenges, a lot of bad news. I was trying to think about what some of the tailwinds uh, that we had were. Um, we did actually get a veto of the um, Florida net metering um, bill that was passed by Congress, but the governor there shut that down. So we were able to keep the net metering in place in Florida. Um, more and more states have actually adopted some form of um, renewable policy standards um, uh, in their energy portfolio. That's exciting and good news for us. And then I think the one big blanket um, sort of piece of good news that has lots of tendrils, lots of different impacts is, of course, the IRA. Um, the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, and I think kind of the, the takeaway, despite all of those um, headwinds and challenges, is we know demand remains strong. Um, we have price parity for solar. Um, our industry is thriving. Baywa is thriving. Um, and I think uh, as a whole, we're all sort of leaning into and embracing resilience. Um, and showing our sort of maturation as an industry. And I'm glad you mentioned kind of the, all the various parts of the supply chain issues, you know, I just kind of like blanketly say that, but there's so many things that kind of are wrapped up in in that. Um, and then, of course, you know, you you mentioned the WRO, UFLPA, and the IRA, the alphabet soup of the solar industry in 2022. Right. Um, let, let's let's dig into those a little bit more. Uh, how have they specifically impacted the industry this year? You know, the, the module issue is uh, still lingering over everything. How do we expect them to impact the industry going forward? Sure. Well, let me start with the WRO and UFLPA, because those are really two sides of the same coin. So the withhold release order was an initial attempt to restrict imports of products from the Hoshine companies, which were suspected or alleged to be committing human rights violations against the Uyghur people in a region of China. That was sort of the first step of, of uh, a human rights issue that the American government thought was important to take a stand on. And I think what we sort of forget is how that was just a first step. And then in December 2021, Congress passed the Uyghur Forced Labor Protection Act, which is what the UFLPA alphabet soup piece uh, stands for, 
Um, that was passed in December of 2021, but it didn't go into effect until June 21st of this year. And that really replaces the WRO. Um, so, you know, again, I think we all have to keep in mind, this is at its core a human rights issue, not an anti-solar um, policy, um, but that it does create a, a very real challenge for us in our industry. And um, what the Customs Border Protection has been tasked with doing is preventing any importation of products, components, or subcomponents that are believed to have had some form of, of human rights abuse or, or forced labor um, in their supply chain. So, so the importers actually have to demonstrate or prove the negative, if you will, um, that their products and the supply chain are free from forced labor. That's a really high bar, really, really big challenge. Kind of what we have to take away from that is that resiliency and flexibility is gonna be key to mitigating this risk. We have to um, kind of keep up with where CBP is in their um, sort of attempts to stop product and inspect and, and demand that um, compliance documentation. Um, and that may mean that what is available and, and kind of being imported today won't be tomorrow. Right, so so we have to kind of keep up with that and be willing to change, be flexible in our um, kind of product specifications. Obviously, Bewa is here to help with that. Um, we're keeping close tabs on it, and our line card is is designed to kind of run through that that sort of complexity and offer uh, alternatives so that all the all the eggs aren't in one basket, if you will. With regard to the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, I think um, the the really the big great news here is that instead of sticks, we have carrots we finally get some real meaningful long-term incentives. They're consumer-based incentives, they're incentives for um, financial asset holders, they're incentives for investors, they're incentives for manufacturers. And all of this, I think, really increases and stabilizes the demand for solar and renewables and ensures investment in um, the domestic supply chain over time. It's gonna take time to build that up, but I think um, you know it's it's got a long enough kind of horizon to it that for the first time, really that I can remember, we we actually have that security, that long-term long -term, um, security that, that allows for the investment in, in the U.S. manufacturing that we need. You know, we've seen the, the numbers of like the, the thousand shipments of modules that were, uh, have been detained under the UFLPA and however many gigawatts. Um, and in my mind, I think of that a lot of like as utility scale kind of solar business. And you mentioned kind of Bewa's role in making sure that all of your customers can meet their own demand with, you know, model supply that's available. But with those numbers I just mentioned and with the customers that you serve, have there been issues or, or are you feel pretty confident that like the demand for residential and commercial is pretty much being able to be met by the module supply that we do have available? That's a great question. And I think if you had asked me that question three months ago, I'd be giving you a different answer than I am today. Um, so I think um, absolutely there has been um, disruption um, to the supply chain, lack of reliable supply. Um, we, with a number of our vendors that had some detentions and were able to successfully import the product subsequently, the delay, the time it took to, to sort of run the gauntlet um, and, and provide that documentation, six to nine months. And in the case of one vendor, it's still ongoing for, for many of the products that have been detained. So I think that that insecurity, that, um, that sort of unknown time horizon makes planning um, a real challenge. Um, and no doubt we've had we've had significant supply challenges what we're seeing right now here at the end of november is an interesting influx of um, what i'll call tier one and a half or tier two uh, module supply 
that are kind of coming in under the radar of CBP. They're not the big names, the big ones that were kind of first on the list to get inspected and detained. Um, they're able to bring in product and they're being able to push it into the channel because the demand was there. They're actually offering it at a lower price than some of those other players. And we believe that the current market demand is being met with adequate supply. That being said, we were way behind all the way up until this point. Um, and so where are we on the demand curve for um, current installations versus the sales pipeline? That's a little harder to say, because um, really the only measure that we have in our position as the distributor is uh, the sales out that's feeding the install rate. Um, what we know from talking to our customers is that their demand really hasn't slowed too much. There's been a little bit um, around the change in, in cost of money and loan prices, but they've got a pretty robust sales pipeline, but they've, they've still been limited as to exactly how many jobs they can install every week or every month. And that run rate has been relatively consistent against an inconsistent supply chain. But I think we're getting closer back, um, at least in the DG market, the distributed um, part, of the market, I think we're getting to a little bit more balance. Legislation has a huge influence on the industry, but I do want to switch up a little bit and talk about uh, products. This year, 2022, what, what's maybe stood out to you? What in, in solar and storage technology do you think has maybe helped the industry? I don't really feel like we had a whole lot of like what I would call groundbreaking new product. Um, but I think there's there's kind of two two or three things that rise to the top for what we've seen this year. One was um, Enphase releasing the IQ8 series and kind of showing us what the future state of inverter technology can be, kind of highlighting the fact that it can be grid forming, grid agnostic, um, the potential for daylight backup and bi-directionality in inverters. I think they really beat everyone else to the punch with those things. And we're kind of you know, thinking about, well, IQ8 is just X number of dollars more expensive than the previous one, and I don't want to pay that, and it just makes it more challenging. But if we really dig under the hood and look at what that technology is, there's some significant value adds and new sort of unlocking new potentials there that that maybe is still being a little underappreciated. Um, on the commercial side, I think we've just seen um, a, a push towards much larger common building blocks on the inverter. So, um, you know, it used to be that it was kind of rare that we would sell 100 kW uh, inverters. Now those are, are kind of very commonplace, 100, 125, 150. Um, and a lot of the companies are looking at, you know, releasing 250, 350 um, kilowatt size inverters. So big, big changes in the building blocks. And of course, that keeps up with the fact that the modules, uh, the power density going up um, and just building bigger and bigger systems. And then lastly, on the storage, I think um, we we really did see at RE Plus the, the response to the market demand for kind of a single functional storage add-on, a single point of contact accountability, warranty, and sort of performance wrap in a storage product. It's less about a battery that goes with someone else's inverter and somebody else's um, rooftop rapid shutdown kind of thing. Um, that's much more common in, in many other countries, but here in the US, um, the market really is wanting a single um, kind of AC coupled and PV agnostic solution. And I think Tesla really set the bar here um, for, for our industry in the US. And I think um, the release of new products that really fit that same use case of whatever you're doing on the PV side, if you wanna add storage now or in the future, it's one thing, right? It's one bundled solution, one price, one commissioning, and it just kind of sits on top of whatever else is there. On that last one, I was definitely waiting for the industry kind of to get to that point because I think it's good for uh, homeowners and I think it's good for installers to be able to just 
simplify and kind of streamline on a particular brand or a product family, it's just kind of easier. And it makes, I think the sale a little bit simpler. I don't know. I think it makes a lot, of, a lot of sense. I agree. All of that. And I think it is a challenge um, at the kitchen table to kind of design your entire energy future uh, when you're just starting and thinking about contemplating the solar side. So being able to do it in chunks, right? Be a, maybe come back for an add-on a year later. Um, and of course, that's a great um, fit with with the policy around the um, the IRA and the um, offering of standalone storage incentives. Um, so yeah. really perfect timing, I think, for for that solution set. Yeah, absolutely, great point. Um, and so now, kind of lead me to what comes next. You know, this is uh, power forward. So let's mm -hmm. think ahead uh, past twenty twenty two. You know, what what do you see on the horizon trend wise in twenty twenty three? I guess, or what are you most excited for that you think is going to be coming up? There's a couple of things in the module space that I think we would have seen this year if not for all of these headwinds and the the challenges around COVID and the supply chain for the last three years. But we are starting to um, get kind of the the leading roadmap information from the suppliers about um, changes in N-type wafers and Topcon technology. And basically, without getting into any of the details of it, what this leads to um, in combination with larger wafers and cell sites is just a greater energy density. So within the same however many square feet or square meters of the panel, you can pack in more watts at a higher efficiency. I think the days of the standard P-type monoperker are kind of sunsetting or they're at their peak. And I think we're going to see over the course of 2023, many of the major um, brands releasing um, new higher efficiency, higher watt class um, and larger format um, wafers and cells in, in their um, modules. And I think that's also going to change um, kind of the overall frame size. We went from what what anybody who's been in solar for, for more than six or eight years thinks of as a standard 60 cell residential module. They started getting bigger, then they got longer, then they added another row, and now it's 66. And then, well, why not put a 72 cell on a house? Uh, on, you know, um, I think going to the larger um, form factor cell is going to allow them to kind of go back down in form factor. So we're, we're seeing more 54 cell half cut, or even in the case of Trina, they've got a 40 cell third cut. Um, so it's back to 120, but it's, you know, a different form factor. And it's just, you know, I think it's the sweet spot for what works on residential roofs, particularly in the Northeast where, you know, the roof is, is very angled and pitched. And I think the trend towards larger and larger kind of doesn't work in all cases in the resi um, space. Now the utility um, loves that. And I think the trend towards larger and larger modules continues in the utility and large CNI. Um, we're, we're definitely going to be seeing 600 watt and up. Um, and we're seeing um, bifaciality in the utility and commercial space almost exclusively. Um, many of the major manufacturers don't even offer monofacial for their commercial mods anymore. And I think we're going to start seeing that same bifaciality come into the resi, whether we're advertising it or selling on the basis of that backside gain, the, the cells themselves are capable of bifacial. Overall in the industry, I think um, the way I would characterize what I think we're going to start seeing next year is that we're at the forefront of a shift towards an electrification industry rather than just a solar plant installation industry. You know, introducing EV chargers, energy monitoring and management more as a, a robust thing, load controls, storage and backup. Um, I think we're going to start seeing more holistic energy management platforms and bi-directional inverters. 
And I think we're gonna see a connection between solar and kind of the internet of things, the smart connected home environment. And I think this is really a space for us all to, to actively participate in, but also to um, understand what the opportunities might be for our businesses. Definitely with you on, on that, and it kind of goes kind of connects to what you just said previously, you know, about the manufacturers kind of solidifying their product ecosystem on the storage side and kind of, you know, I think that kind of consolidation of uh, products and services and the electrification of the home is just going to kind of keep happening. So yeah, definitely something to watch out for, for in our audience for sure. Um, and let's Let's end uh, back on the, uh, you know, I don't know what if I want to call it down or back on the policy <laughs> side of things. Um, what are you hearing? What's going to impact the solar industry, maybe positively and possibly negatively in the legislative space uh, next year? Yeah, well, my crystal ball around policy is is um, not very great, nor um, would I expect it to be super clear. But I think, um, you know, the highlights we, we should all be kind of keeping an eye on and paying attention to is the anti-dumping circumventing duties, the, the um, oxen petition, if you will. The broader issue there is the kind of um, tax stick against it less expensive imports. And until the U.S. manufacturing can really compete head to head with Asian manufacturing, I think that that imbalance and that challenge for an economic parity is still going to be there. So regardless of what ha happens specifically around the open oxen case that's here now, I think the ADCVD kind of conversation continues. And I don't think that's going to go away um, until, unless and until we really can up our game on the, on the U.S. manufacturing side. UFLPA, we talked about that a bit. Um, unfortunately, I think my prediction here is that it gets worse long before it gets better because according to the, the law, the act, Customs Border Protection is mandated to ban the import of these products. And the way in which they sort of decide what products are non-compliant is murky at best. And, and they can't ban everything all at once or our economy would collapse, right? Because like I mentioned before, this isn't just about solar. This is um, anti-tomatoes and clothing and um, fibers and like there's so many different um, uh, impacts of this that it's just not realistic for them to stop everything 100% but they do have to work their way through and enact the ban across different industries and across different manufacturers and imports over time. So you know my caution to to any listeners that um, are on the manufacturing side is if you haven't already figured out your documentation paperwork get it figured out because your day will come and you need to to be able to produce that on the installer side again i think it's just important that we understand that safe today doesn't mean safe indefinitely unless and until you've actually proven and you have full documentation and we're starting to see a few um, partners that are capable of doing that. The Trina imports that Baywa is selling today are fully inspected and documented through UFLPA. That's an exciting development, right? And I think Trina has bragging rights for the first ones to be able to, to do that. We're obviously all watching the December 15th decision around California M3.0. Um, if that passes, we can expect there to be um, a change in the economic benefit of um, the net metering. So a six or seven year payback immediately becomes maybe more like a 10 year payback. That's going to have an impact. But I think the potential for adding storage on and um, maybe capturing more revenue. And so, you know, the number of just standalone solar installs might go down, but the attachment rate of storage might go up. Um, I think it's also possible that some installers will say, I don't want to do storage. I just want to sell solar. So maybe California is not my core market. I'm going to look at other states. 
there's still a lot of opportunity there. Um, so we may see some shifting market dynamics around that. Yeah, I think it's sort of an inevitable maturing of the market um, and it's, it's disruptive in the near term. Um, but I can imagine a future where we don't need necessarily the same kind of economic incentives or benefits um, that we needed 15 years ago with, um, with the costs of you know, every produced kilowatt on, on the renewable side and that parity with conventional energy forms. I think IEE uh, 1547 codes um, come into their new implementation um, under the 2020 adoption. Um, so in January of 2023, we're gonna start seeing some new requirements around um, inverters. And I think some of the manufacturers are saying, eh, I'm not gonna update my aging platforms. I'm gonna release my already planned new platforms with compliance um, to these codes. This is obviously a state by state and utility by utility jurisdiction kind of an issue, but I think we're gonna see sunsetting of old product lines, uh, new product lines coming up um, that are fully compliant. We've seen this before, California Rule 21, um, smart grid requirements, other things. It's just, that's part of the roller coaster ride, but I, I think that's coming up uh, on us fairly quickly. On the positive side, I think the IRA, we're gonna see, um, obviously um, being able to leverage the uh, consumer ITC incentives first. So that predictable 30% um, homeowner rebate for the PV systems. And on January 1st, they can access the 30% rebate on the storage. Once the IRS publishes guidance about the domestic content requirements um, for on the finance side, the third-party ownership PPAs, people are gonna quickly figure out how to access that fund uh, and and leverage that in the lease models and um, PPAs. Um, that'll take a little longer because of course IRS hasn't released that guidance yet, what that domestic content rule is, nor do we know who will be compliant. So there's gonna be some kind of quick activity and kind of uh, juggling of, of who qualifies and what products kind of are at the forefront of that. Um, we've been getting a lot of questions about that since the IRA passed and unfortunately we don't have any answers yet. And then lastly, I think, um, kind of touched on a little bit, but the cost of money. The IRA has quite a bit of available funding there for the third-party ownership models. Um, and so I think in addition to what we're seeing today with an increase in loan prices, kind of going up faster than what the overall market and inflation pressure is, um, we've already started to see a preference for loan to drop and shifting over to, to lease. And I think as those lease models become more viable, they're able to tap into some of that under other IRA funding, I think we're gonna see an, another increase. It's been a long time since lease was the preferred financial model. Um, you know, the beginning of this year, I think we were at something like an 80-20 loan to lease market and uh, wouldn't be surprised if within a year we're back to more like a 50-50. Never a dull moment in the solar industry, uh, lots to pay attention to, but lots of very cool, interesting stuff and a lot of opportunities for solar installers uh, out there, residential, commercial, utility scale to really change the game going forward. And just thanks for taking the time to walk us through what to be paying attention to in 2023. Absolutely, thanks, Chris. And and yeah, obviously, uh, sort of a general shout out to, to all of our installer base. Please use us as a resource. We're here to help. We're here to have these conversations engage, not just your, your primary point of contact, um, the sales rep, but ask for some of senior leadership to come in. And, and I would extend this to, you know, not just to Baywa, but obviously, you know, I want to plug our company and our opportunity, but, you know, we're here to help. We're here to serve. And there is a lot of complexity, um, but, but, you know, hopefully we can help have these conversations and help folks navigate the complexity. That's what we're here for.
Yeah, you, your brains and insight aren't contained just within these uh, bi-monthly uh, power forward videos. They can be accessed, you know, year round by uh, you know, interested uh, installers. So thanks, thanks for the reminder on that for sure.